Welcome to CIO Leadership Live Canada. I'm Lee Rennick, Executive Director of CIO Communities, and I'm very excited to welcome John Camacchio, SVP and CIO at Technion. John, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your current role. Thank you, Lee. So my name is John Camacchio. As Lee mentioned, I'm the uh, Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer for Technion Corp. Uh, Technion Corp is a, a Canadian-based uh, international company. Uh, we manufacture, we design, engineer, and manufacture high-end office furniture around the world and serve global 2000 clients. I'm responsible for all the technology worldwide for all of our various divisions. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today, John. I really appreciate it. And we have created this series to support technology leaders in their own tech and leadership and career journey. And because of your extensive background, we have decided to create a two part series. So I'm really excited about this. Thank you again so much for joining. So the first question I ask, and I always ask everybody, can you tell us a little bit about your own career path and provide some insights or tips on that road path? Are there any lessons learned that you could share? Sure, absolutely. So uh, sadly, I've been working for 44 years, so it's a very long career path. Uh, but uh, you know, like always, the goal when you finish school is, uh, especially here in Canada, is to join a, a multinational company and hopefully you can get uh, some really good uh, uh, really some interesting work some good training and possibly a management training program uh, i started work uh, during the recession of the uh, early 80s which was very very difficult so there wasn't much to choose from so you know did a few a few steps uh, with a couple of companies early on as a programmer as we called developers back then we were all programmers uh, yeah. then ended with a, a third company uh, a few years later, uh, which was a huge uh, international uh, multinational automotive company, and uh, began my career. And I started there again as a programmer and quickly moved to a systems uh, analyst role, which back then was really today's business analyst. Mm -hmm. And I found I really found my calling uh, with that role, just working with the business and being the interface between the business and technology and the advancement it could have. So I quickly, I was able to excel at that role. I was able to work on some very, very large projects on an international basis as well. Uh, then got moved into management. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you that was both exciting and terrifying because you know when you do something so well that you believe you've honed when you're young in your career, uh, you know, giving up that ability to do, but to manage uh, was a big, big transition. Uh, but, you know, with a lot of coaching and mentoring uh, and a management training program that the company had, I, I moved in and I made it work and then quickly excelled uh, through that to other management roles beyond the systems analysis uh, department that took on the business, the business systems department. And then shortly after that, the business and technology department, inheriting infrastructure and workplace and network technologies, which was new to me which is a really good grounding. Uh, and then uh, obtained my first CIO role in 1994, which was which was coming up to 30 years as a CIO. It was a divisional CIO, uh, but still in a large company, it was very exciting. Uh, then uh, as, part, as that role evolved, and as what happened, we all know in the mid to late 90s, centralization became you know, the big word of the day. So the you know we we began a, an Americas pact of the CIOs within the Americas to begin to look at centralizing what we were doing, uh, knowing fully well that our jobs would be in jeopardy. But mm -hmm. it was the right thing to do. It was also an extremely extremely exciting project to be part of, uh, while you're still doing your other day job, <laughs> as well. But that role really opened my eyes, and I find that that role was career changing in that project because it exposed me to the magnitude uh, of a technology group uh, that covers the Americas. It exposed 
me to the business side of technology, the legal side, the financial side, uh, exposed me to the key parts about retaining talent, exposed me to the ability and the requirement to outsource day-to-day activities so that your key talent could focus on the business of the day and leverage all the institutional knowledge that they had gained working within this company to actually help move the company forward. Uh, and I felt that really changed my perspective. It, cha- it allowed me to, to think of a CIO from uh, ownership uh, to orchestration and yeah. really helped change my mindset uh, around how you think about uh, getting stuff done and moving the business forward as well. Well, that to me was a changing point for me. And I really, if I had not been able to do and work on that project, I'm not sure where I would be today because of how I act today is around that orchestration piece and not around that control piece. Um, so that was going very well. And then of course an acquisition shows up. <laughs> so yeah. we were right at the end of that project. And my my the view of my next role was very clear within that company. And that, that was very exciting for me what was gonna happen next. Uh, but the acquisition really wasn't gonna pan out for many of us because uh, the acquirer had different ideas, which is fine. So I decided to exit. Uh, and upon that exit, uh, that background allowed me to join a management consulting firm within one of the big six uh, firms. So that was, I enjoyed that enormously. And that allowed me to take my experience within a company, my really, my, my you know, sleeves rolled up operational experience, and then the strategy I learned uh, and how to conduct that through that, that consolidation project and bring it to other companies uh, and also my outsource skills and the skills around the, the legal side and the budget side and the ROI calculation side. So I, I really enjoyed the role for a couple of years, working with the various companies at the C-level and helping them on their strategy. Well, then of course, you know the Enron issue happens <laughs> in my career and all the big six had to sell off their consulting companies. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the one I was with, they sold off to a US firm which is really a, a firm based on government consulting, not industrial and consumer markets as I was working in. Uh, so again, decided to exit uh, because I didn't really see much of a future or any or much excitement or learning opportunity for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then I, I decided to go back to CIO role and I joined Technion uh, as the CIO, uh, but which uh, really at the executive level, report to the CEO, city and the executive committee and really driving the, and working to drive the business forward. And that was 21 years ago. Um, and the challenge uh, with a company like Technion being a Canadian-based uh, international company, not a multinational, but international, and it was a mid-cap company, not again, uh, multinational, it had lots of interesting challenges uh, because it didn't necessarily have all the people of a multinational to get stuff done. It didn't necessarily have all the departments, nor did it have all, all, all the systems it needed. So it became quite a, a fun challenge, you know, and some very challenging moments, but I'm still here because of all of the change that I've been able to enact and the people I've been able to work with to enact that changes in the business and moving the business forward and allowing it to be where it is today as a company that has grown quite a bit since the day I joined. And we were public back then, we privatized as well uh, in the middle of that process and then just keep on moving forward. The, the things that really kind of stick with me, I just had made some notes here, uh, you know, that every time I thought I was being rejected in my career, it was actually a redirection, which I thought really, really helped, you know, kind of focus on, you know what, I actually went to a better place, you know, and to a better opportunity. So the next time it happened, I didn't think of it as a rejection. And, uh, and I think that's something uh, as, a, as a learning for anybody going through their career. 
think the other part is I took advantage of all the opportunities that were put in front of me that actually seemed a bit scary and think, well, listen, if I join this, I might lose my job, right? Uh, but but there might be a better job and I'm going to learn an enormous amount. So I think, you know, don't be afraid to take those opportunities that seem that they're kind of sketchy, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and, and they're going to affect you. So I think that was very helpful. And, uh, and through those opportunities, the hundreds of people that I met that supported me, encouraged me, and assisted me. I would never would have met all those people in the capacity of support and their quasi-mentoring, in some cases, maybe some tormentoring as well, <laughs> to, you know, to get your act together, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I, I think it really, really helped a lot, right? And I think the third thing I, that really happened is I really, I learned that it was important to be self-assured within your job, within your role, uh, because you have the skill. And you should be self-assured, but to be genuine, because a good friend told me that you have to be genuine because you're not the finished product and you're never, ever the finished product. So keep on trying to finish that product. But if you're genuine, you work hard at finishing by learning and never stop growing. And by being self-assured, you have the confidence to do your job and come to work every day. Wow, what a journey. That is fantastic. And what amount, I mean, it's just an incredible amount of learnings. And, you know, you are the second CIO I've spoken to this week who's used the word orchestration. And when I think about what you just told me about your career journey, it is like almost an orchestration, like you applied that to your role, but it's like an orchestration of, like you said, a redirection when, you know, accept the redirection and look at that and then have the opportunity to continuously learn. And I think adding on those pieces with the consulting company around management and strategy, I mean, I've worked for a consulting company and you really do dig into your role in a different way um, when you're when you're leading like that. So I really appreciate you sharing that um, and sharing also those tips at the end on the types of things you've looked at to ensure that, you know, you're building your career in a very positive way. And some of the things you talked about, obviously, was, you know, the ability to connect at the C-suite level. And I wanted to, um, to redirect our next question to research that IDC recently put out. It was the, our CEO report. Um, and it was around the expectation of the CEO for the CIO really now in 2023 to focus on better business outcomes, improving business agility, leading DX to create new revenue streams. And, you know, wanting to see the CIO step beyond that operational focus, but really help to drive measurable business outcomes, you know, whether it's financial or quantifiable. So can we dive into that a little bit more given your role as a CIO as a leader and some of the ways you know you lead to improve business outcomes? Sure, absolutely. I think today's CIO needs to be a business strategist uh, who understands technology, not necessarily a deep technologist. I mean, having done deep technology is always very, very helpful when you're managing your team. But I think that business strategy is paramount to lead uh, because technology is changing every day. So no one is going to be a deep technologist for long. Right. And I look at my career, all the technologies I've gone through and I've had to learn, have to understand, and they no longer exist. And that's going to continue to happen. So that strategy, that business strategist is very, very key. And also, you've got to be able to work with all the different leaders for the business. And as we know, our businesses today create different leadership styles. They create different leaders based on different needs. And you have to learn those roles and, and build relationships with those business leaders and really make sure that they understand that you're an enabler, not a roadblock. Because some people still have this view of our, our, our world that we roadblock everything, not now. Uh, but that's back to the orchestrator versus the operator, right? If you're an operator, you might roadblock. But if you're an orchestrator, you're always looking to enable and I think you know that's the key message here on that. 
And I think it's very important that, you know, that the role works for the CEO and sits on the executive committee and that you become the trusted advisor to the CEO, the confidant, as well as, as the advisor to your peers. Uh, so part of my leadership style is, is we create high impact initiatives as all companies do based on our strategic plan. Well, we run those initiatives uh, through a suggestion I made many years ago within a project plan and budget that's held at the executive team, not buried in the IT budget. Because if it's buried in the IT budget, it's my budget. If it's at that level, it's everybody's responsibility. <laughs> right. And everyone has the buy-in, right? Now, I still run a CIO PMO for those high-impact initiatives, you know, to govern, report, and, and look at the cash flow in and out and, and the resourcing. That part's still important, and we do that very well. We'll continue to do that. But with those high-impact initiatives, I co-sponsor every initiative with each of the executive peers I have. And in some cases, if it's a CX initiative, which we have running today, which is a CX digital initiative, which we're going to talk about a bit later, we have like four executives, all co-sponsored, you know, out of six, you know, because it touches everybody's area. So again, I think that's one of the differences. By being a co-sponsor, you're the advocate. Uh, around those initiatives and you can put the focus on the strategy around those initiatives you can take your uh, business savvy digital it team and you can place them on those initiatives with subject matter experts so now you're building strength on the bench on both sides of, of, uh, of the, the divisions mine and theirs and because now we both wanted to succeed very well you know and you keep on highlighting the you know the importance of this technology the other part, which I think is really important for a CIO today, is you have to enforce the movement of digital skills into the other divisions. You know, this, this will future-proof our business. Technology, the way it's deployed with SaaS clouds today, you know, it's their cloud, not mine. Right, right. <laughs> I, can, I can govern it. I can manage it. I can API all the data in and out I want. Yeah. I can cyber secure. But that enforcement of, you know, every high-impact initiative that we do, we must implement digital skills in the end user department and they must own it. So I think that's the other part as part of the real piece around leadership, right? Uh, and I think it's really important uh, that people keep on doing that. It's hard to give up, right? Um, but at the end of the day, we become communicators, influencers, and we never stop listening and learning. And we contribute to all those parts around bringing the value to the corporation through those high impact initiatives together as a team, irrespective uh, of whose team it is, but they're all digital initiatives. So every initiative is digital. We just don't talk about digital anymore. Yeah. It's digital. And it's going to affect all of us. So I think that's, that's really the leadership approach I do. And of course I educate uh, as a, as a final piece on the IT operating model, which is always evolving. You know, because right now, you know, cybersecurity is a bigger part than it ever was. Compliance and privacy are becoming a bigger part than they ever will be uh, as part of our role. Uh, and the whole idea around PMO has always been a big part. The, the ability to outsource uh, from unconventional sources to get talent so that you mm. can deliver an initiative and then find a way to support that initiative in, in an outsourced manner so that you can, again, refocus your team. So I, I try to educate on that part as well. Always moving. Wow, that's that's a lot. And, you know, really, honestly, when we talk about that research report and how CEOs are expecting this, this is exactly the role you're playing. And, you know, you and I had a chance to talk about um, when we were at a conference about how, as you said, technology, di digital transformation, digital innovation, all of it is a part of the overall role of the company now. So it really is 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 part of an ecosystem. And I wanted to wrap up our first half of our two part series interview to talk about technology as an ecosystem. 
So, and you and I had a chance to talk to about this. So could you talk a little bit about how you work to create autonomous technology ERP systems integration at Technion? And are there any examples that you could provide regarding the process and best practices around that? Sure, absolutely. So, so you know, being a management consultant really allowed me to see a lot of other industries and how they worked. And I came away with this belief, right or wrong, uh, that every company is a bit of a, an autonomous collective. When you think about it, we all have these very powerful divisions that proceed forward with their key focused area, but they have a lot of autonomy how they do it. But the collective part is the customer. And we have to manage the customer order and the entire process to complete, deliver, day two service, day two sales, all horizontally within these vertical ecosystems. So as we looked at uh, how we sort of move forward Technion into the current ages, we looked at, well, they need autonomous ecosystems, but they have to be completely integrated via standard data into the horizontal ecosystem, which is the customer journey. And that's kind of how we approached it. And by buying some new ecosystems, which were vertical, like warehouse management, logistics planning, you know, those kind of you know, ERPs and MRPs, which are specific to the kind of product we're building, because we have uh, we have a multiple set of MRP systems because our manufacturing process for for kit of parts products versus glass versus flatline versus upholstered furniture is all different. Right. So, let, letting them have their autonomy within the ecosystem to be more efficient, but all driving through a standard set of data uh, that, that can be pushed uh, you know, vertically up and down the ecosystem, but then all connected horizontally back to the customer order and the customer and the end product. And that's kind of how we've set it up. And then a lot of the purchase ecosystems will bring digital capabilities to us that we could never build at all. Um, and then by also having these ecosystems integrated some of the, the qualities of them bleed over to the other ones as a benefit. So I'll give you a very simple example. Logistics planning needs really good labels for boxes so they can load containers and they can unload them at the end. Warehouse management needs them because they have to put them away, then pick pack and, and get them ready for shipping. The manufacturer has to be able to scan that product as complete at the end, so they need better labels. All of a sudden, everybody has better labels uh, all through this one ecosystem. Right. And, and of course, that label also feeds a manifest for crossing country borders because we right. ship wide as well. So all of a sudden, all the ecosystems benefited from just that one purchase of that one ecosystem and the project to, to actually create better label it affected all of them. And that data is all standard, all related to the customer order, all related to the item that they ordered, all related to the value of that item for in-transit inventory, and all related to the shipping and the receiving and, and that, the full receipt of the goods. So yeah. Of those ecosystems all played together and they all orchestrate via the data layer which is then managed by a massive cloud api engine to move stuff back and forth to keep everything the same and also considering the privacy issue compliance issues by moving pii data to only where the customer data should be in the front not through all the ecosystems so you create privacy issues like some companies run into uh because they've got names and other stuff that they shouldn't have all through their ecosystems so, right. so that's kind of that's the idea around ecosystems. I don't think we could run easily without them. And I think our ability to uh, put new product lines in and or cons consume a merger or an acquisition, those ecosystems really aid and abet us in doing that. 
Really appreciate that example. And that really does tie back into the previous question around the CEO's expectation of the CIO to cre create value, right? Quantifiable benefits. I mean, that's that's one right there, which is incredible. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and I really appreciate you joining the CIO Leadership Live series. Um, I look forward to connecting for part two of our series where we're going to cover off uh, the big hot topic of the day, Gen AI, large language models, data, uh, and then something you talked to me about, the six key objectives of Digitechnion, um, and of course, the modern customer journey. So thanks so much for joining us, John. Well, no, thank you very much. Good, nice, nice to see you again and enjoy our previous conversation. I look forward to this one.